And you are listening to WMNF Tampa, WMNF 88.5 FM, WMNF, the best little station in the nation. Welcome to Friday afternoon. My name is Joellen Schilke. I am the hostess who loves you absolutely the most as you are listening to Art in Your Ear. On today's show, we've got Dracula. Dracula! I love Dracula. I'm so excited. Job Site Theater has their very, very, very wonderful production, and we are going to be chatting with them in just a few minutes. If you want to get in touch, please do send a text, 813-433-0885. Put your name in it so we can say hi if you want. Or you can send an email to dj at wmnf.org. I want to say thank you so much to everyone who supported Art in Your Ear in the last fun drive. We had some nice, nice, nice support. And it turns out that we are super close to our goal. So if we can get a uh, just a couple of people to pledge uh, maybe $10 a month or $9 a month, uh, I think we're going to hit our goal. You can do that by calling 813-238-8001 or online at wmnf.org. I'm so grateful for anybody to do anything. Thank you. You're a hero. Anyway, we're going to listen to a little uh, Miniman while we get set up and ready in here. <laughs> Again, I hope you have a great Friday. I hope you've been having a great Friday. Let's go. October 27th, WMNF celebrates Halloween with two great bands. 
WMNF's Halloween Ball 2022 features the music of Tampa's Lane Lyre. And making his Bay Area appearance from Louisville, Kentucky, Scary Black. Plus, as he bats, and Vamp Daddy of Obscura Undead will be DJing this great night of gothic music. The WMNF Halloween Bowl again takes place Thursday, October 27th, 9 p.m. at New World Music Hall, 810 East Skagway Avenue in Tampa. Tickets are $18 in advance, $20 at the door. Go to WMNF.org for more info.
Not exactly a Dracula song, <laughs> but I was thinking about the uh, uh, the way he had a couple different people uh, wanting him and him wanting. Why am I talking about Dracula? Because right now in the studio from Job Site Theater, I have uh, I have we're going to be talking about Dracula. It is opens up tonight. You can talk. It's radio. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> you can't see my head nodding. I apologize. And that is the familiar voice of David Jenkins. And with us is David Jenkinson. Uh, and I'm always wrong on your last name, Katarina. It's Steven... Stevenson. Stevenson. Yeah. I don't know. I always have to either get your first name or last name wrong. And this has been going on for 20 years, and I apologize. Okay. I, I feel like you should just be like Madonna and just go by your first name, sure. and that's it. And I had a professor in you. college who was convinced I was Cat Stevens, and I'm like, mm, oh, close. <laughs> that's kind of cool. So, uh, so since I know you guys are uh, part of the responsibility of choosing what people get to see with Job Site Theater. And you've chosen Dracula, which opens up tonight and plays through November 13 at the Stress Center. Uh, and you can go online to jobsitetheater.org, spelled T-E-R, theater.org, to get all that information. Um, why going back to Dracula? Why visiting Dracula? Well, um, as we were coming out of our pandemic years and really looking at a way to bring people back to the theater in a big way and to get them excited. Um, we were looking for things that were guaranteed to entertain, but also um, to create a viability for the company going forward. So we needed to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've toyed with doing Dracula again for years um, because it was at the time and for many years, it was the biggest selling thing that we'd ever done. Um, and it just seemed perfect. Um, one of the best shows that we've done recently was Shockheaded Peter. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, was big and fantastical and it was funny and dark and all of those things. Um, people just really want to escape right. and this seemed like a surefire way to um, please our audiences. Now, I, I don't remember, and, and I'm, I apologize, I should have looked this up, but did you do the Steve Deet de- yes, version did last time? Yeah, in so, 2001. And so revisiting it, I mean, because I remember seeing that, and was, I remember doing interviews with it, I remember seeing it. So revisiting it, did, did you like, oh, we did this, you know, did you want to avoid stuff that you did before? Did you like, oh no, that was awesome. We were totally I, doing that. You know, it, what's interesting among the cast, there, there are many of us who have multiple exposures with this text across multiple productions with multiple companies. Mm-hmm. You know, um, this is my third production of it now. Cat and Paul, it's their second. Giles, it's his fourth. There are just things about the show that you know work mm-hmm. and why mess with the formula. We're doing it in the Jabe Theater now, which is, you know, over three times the size mm-hmm. of the Schimberg. And so that we knew that there were things that we were going to have to do much different, much bigger, much better to fill that space. And at the same time, there were things that, that I always wanted to do differently from the first time that we did it. So I think it's a combination of, of things. Right. Like I, I think that people that saw the production 21 years ago will see little things and be like, oh, that was like... But then other things that are completely different. Like in the special effects department, we've completely ramped Ooh. it up. And special effects is uh, something that you all have used sort of sparingly throughout the years. Like you have your people do all the effects and yeah. stuff like that. So, um, but when you've done it, it's always been like this little delightful surprise. So, so that sounds really fun. One of the things also that we talked about, because you know, you've been talking about like this is a big 
this is a big job site production. This thing is huge. It's, it has it's a ridiculous. lot of moving parts. Yeah. If you look, like when I was looking at the cast, I was like, oh my God, like, look That's at all huge. the people. Look at all the crew. Like this is yeah. a lot of stuff going on. Uh, and the fun part of it is the story and this, this script and this story are... Um, one, you know it, everybody, I'm doing quotation, air quotation marks, speaking of being on radio, like, quote, unquote, we know it. But on the other hand, there's so much wiggle room in this. And I want to talk a little bit about your Dracula, because he's a, Giles is a wonderful place to start with this world. As you mentioned, he's done it several times before. He's been a little bit of a kind of a go-to guy for job site theater when you need someone who can be... Um, evil and attractive and slinky and intense and and some of those at the same time and some of those not at the same time. Will you talk a little bit about uh, how uh, you two, because you're, you're, I mean, I know you do everything in the theater. <laughs> yeah. David, you're directing, but, you know, so I know that your hands, you're on stage, but you're doing all these other things. But let's talk a little bit about how the play sort of proceeds and then how there's almost in a way different Dracula's throughout the play. Like, it's not the same Dracula that people see every no. single time. Um, so so the, 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 the play's a pretty faithful adaptation of the novel itself. Uh, Dietz takes some liberties with things here and there just because you have to at a certain point, you know, otherwise the play would be 20 hours long. Um, but it... With the way that it jumps back in time, it allows Giles to literally wear multiple hats um, in that, you know, the first time you see him, you don't really see him. You don't see his face. He's dressed as Harker. Next time you see him, it's, you know, sort of creature of the night Dracula. And then it jumps back in time and you get to see really old Dracula. Then it jumps back forward in time. And so with that, it, it, it allows from scene to scene for him to almost have different genres, if that makes sense. Because the first time we see him, it's almost like a mystery scene where we never see his face and the other actor is just sort of orbiting around him and so it, it, it really draws out this mystery who is this guy and the second time we see him he's beckoning to the maid to be allowed into the western house and so he's like sexy time Dracula you know <laughs> then he's scary Dracula so it, so for Giles I think there it, it has to be delightful for him to be able to do that from moment to moment to moment to moment and sometimes in the very same scene because late in the show like when Katrina Katrina comes in as Von Helsing to confront Dracula. We've just seen him be scary, then sexy, then <laughs> scary again, then kind of sexy scary, then full-blown demon monster when, when Von Helsing busts the cross out. And, and so... Um, but I would think that the audience isn't sure right when you come in if they definitely want him to be off the plate because he is the sexy fantasy that people have. Yes, and one thing that I love about about Giles' uh, you know, life in this character, he's a monster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. he is, but sometimes monsters are hot. Right. Yeah, yes, yeah. but there's always this ugliness underneath of it that so many people just play to the, you know, that kind of, you know, suave and debonair Dracula. But the idea of of evil or of a monster, what men can become, you know, they can become these monsters, that it, you know, it really, it keeps it rooted, I think, more so in Stoker's original ideas. When I was a kid, um, the the Broadway play Dracula opened and, and we, uh, went, we went to it. Frankly Angela? Right, yeah. yeah. And we went yeah. to, I think we were in seventh grade or something uh -huh. and went to it. And then my, you know, my 
dad had a place right in Broadway, so we got to go to shows. So I probably went to it like literally 13 or 14 times. <laughs> I was obsessed with it, this little high school, junior high school kid. Uh, and part of it was, I think, because it was played that he uh, would be very attractive and sexy, but... But there was sort of this, the epitome of selfishness of I want this and therefore it is mine. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that selfishness was like, I want to hurt you. I want to cause pain. I want to frighten you. Like, it didn't matter what it was. I wanted it and therefore it is mine. And that was, you know, that was the thing that underscored the play. And that's what it sounds yeah. like that you have that's in this. You said that too, because Giles has this one line and, and the four words are, I want your fear. But mm -hmm. the way he delivers it, there was this one night in rehearsal where uh, Lucy asks him, you know, what do you want from me? And it was the way he hit, I want your fear. Right. So it wasn't, it wasn't like, I want your fear. Right. But it, just exactly what you said. I want. I want. Right. Yeah. And that's a, um, that's a pretty strong parable for a lot that we have got going on these days. Right. Yes. <laughs> in our world. <laughs> and apparently something that was going on not just in the 90s when this play was written, but 120 25. something, 25 years yeah, this ago. Yeah, the 25th anniversary of the novel. Right, and so even, you know, the years it took to get to make the novel, like this idea that the desire and selfish desire and desire above all is sort of a part and parcel of what evil is, mm -hmm. you know? And so um, there you have it. Hey, wonderful uh, audience, we are chatting with David Jenkins and Chris Kendry. <laughs> Katrina Stevenson. Katrina Stevenson. A one three two two nine star. <laughs> uh, from Jobsite Theater. I'm going to blame the cold medicine. Um, uh, from Jobsite Theater that presents Dracula opening up tonight. We were talking about Giles Davis, and of course there's many, many other people in the cast, but I'm going to stick with him for a minute, too. Uh, when there is, as a director, you know, and and also Katrina is someone who has to respond to his character as a director when you have so many different options of who he gets to be at different moments was it pretty clear from the beginning of the play and in rehearsals that each option sort of said okay it's going to be this is going to be this type of Dracula and that's going to be that type of Dracula or was there wiggle room each time and you had to choose I, I wouldn't say that there was wiggle room we had to choose I think Giles and I both had a pretty clear bead on what we wanted from moment to moment because the it, it, it's really there in the text is what's going on. I think where Giles and I found things was in the little spots in between. Like there, there are a couple of moments here or there where I felt like, you know, we might be able to press this thing a little bit more in this moment or press that thing a little bit more that sort of served as counterpoints to which Dracula it was at the time, you know, like right. where we would allow maybe a little bit of humor in a moment of scary Dracula, right? Or maybe a little bit of humor in the moment of sexy time Dracula, mm -hmm. or maybe a little bit of menace in doddering old man Dracula where where normally, you know, we the audience wants to laugh at old Dracula so bad. Mm -hmm. Also, the, the Dietz does these things with lines. I mean, old Dracula has so many great lines. Uh, you know, Harker's complaining about where his stuff is and that he, he only has the clothes on his back mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The response is, I'll find you a nice cape. <laughs> you know, and and so it's clear Dietz wants us to be able to laugh in that. But even Giles is finding these scary, creepy moments as as the old man, and and funny moments as sexy, and mm -hmm. like all the little spaces in between. And I think that that is maybe that's where Giles and I have spent most of our time communicating back and forth as to what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and 
so that's where I've been like, you know, hey, he knows this role, obviously, and, and we were on the same page from Jump, but hey, here's this little moment you might be able to play with that little thing, you know. And, and is that, as someone who's been directing for, you know, your adult life, mm-hmm. is that... Are are those the parts of directing that are extra tasty? Or are those just no? Yeah. That's normal. I mean, because I want to talk of no. About- I think that, that that that's delicious when you, when when you are at a place and when you have a collaboration with somebody, and and I can say this about many people in in this company. You know, Katrina, Paul, Giles. These are three people that I have very Paul long, Potenza, Paul Potenza is who we're talking about. I have long standing collaborations with these people, mm-hmm. so we have shorthand, and and. It allows for us in those moments to mind these little spots and nuance and like these little things because on the other hand, and I don't say this in any negative way whatsoever, but there are several people in this show that I've never directed before. And so it's like there's this whole courtship thing, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, am, 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 are we allowed to hold hands now? Like, you know, right. you know uh, can I speak to you in this way and it not be offensive, you know? Right. Like, can I just sort or, of say this without worrying? And, and, and so that, that is, 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 uh, yeah, as somebody who's been directing for a really long time, I love that. Like to be able to have that shorthand, right. to be able to have that, you know, we can oh. get there really quick. And then, uh, I would think to be mounting this production, which is, is it the, I mean, you guys have put on some big productions. Is this one of the biggest? Yes. It is. Yeah. Is it the biggest? Uh, Almost the biggest. I mean, it's really hard. Shocking to Peter was huge. That but, was. <laughs> but, but, you know, <laughs> the minute you start putting blood on stage, like, let's be real. <laughs> like, their blood and, and, you know, we're in the Jabe and we don't want to ruin that theater and we'd right. like to be able to be invited back in there and we'd <laughs> like to be able to do, right? So, so like, their blood is one of these things. Once you introduce, a, like, a, 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 a thimble full of blood on stage, it will be everywhere right. by the end of the night. Right. And we and have do it over and over all and over these and over blood again. gags, right? <laughs> and so... And and blood gets on costumes, blood gets in the set, blood gets backstage, blood gets in the hallways, blood gets in the bathroom. <laughs> you know, it's like a murder scene. And it's like, so what do you do? Do you do you make the entire set and backstage area a giant Dexter kill room? Right. <laughs> or, Just paint everything red. And and so like the amount of work it takes, our stage manager, Nicole Janine Smith, is coming in like two to three hours before the show starts to go through checklists still because she's trying to get things in in a way where it becomes like a, a smooth operating machine. But until that time, she's getting there extra early to make sure she has the time. Right. She's we dr- have blood wrangler. Fog. She's a blood wrangler. Right. We have three fog machines <laughs> oh on stage, God. a hazer up in the grid that's doing all these things, you know, the moving lights and... It, it, you know, we've got these rosaries that have to be able to break and be thrown, <laughs> but then be found five seconds later. And so the moving parts on this show are at like 11. Mm-hmm. And um, that, but that's, you know, in a way you're doing it, you will have done it. And then that just, that moves the top. Up yeah. a little higher for you for but, next time. <laughs> and and it makes work for everybody outside of the normal scope of work, mm-hmm. right? Because the bed has to get stripped down every night and every stitch of that stuff has to get washed. Actors have to like literally look over every garment they are wearing mm-hmm. to make sure that there's not blood on it. Right. And if they miss it, they're going to come in the next night and there's going to be a big old blood spot mm-hmm. on their costume that they have to start the show with, right? right? Um, the people, there's so much laundry that's done every night and like, all these things. Things people don't think about when you're watching a theatrical production. Right. 
and and of course you don't necessarily need the audience to think about that because you want that no, intense no, of magic of course in it but also uh, I think that um, not everybody but logistics is one of the most interesting things Correct. to me about theater is like how do people create magic you know this thing is wild still magic backstage. so <laughs> that's awesome there used to be like backstage videos all all sped up <laughs> so so going back so now um, so you have three of the most known characters from this of course are Renfield who is Paul Potenza is playing mm-hmm. Renfield and um, probably a lot of the comedy I would think comes through Renfield there is yes uh, Katrina there's your character Van Helsing mm-hmm. uh, have you played Van Helsing before? no um, <laughs> I did the show 21 years ago and I played Mina okay so. right yeah but no, and, um, you know, when we were looking at the show, I, I kind of had a feeling that there was not necessarily a role for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then David brought up Van Helsing, and I'm like, I, I started thinking about that, and it's really quite wonderful. I've had several people already contact me and go, it kind of makes more sense if Van Helsing is a woman right. as opposed to a man. And um, I cribbed off of uh, Dracula canon, there's the show where uh, the BBC version, the BBC okay. version, where it was Abraham von Helsing's granddaughter Agatha. Oh, who I kind of remember reading about that, right? Yeah, and they they gave her this whole backstory that she was like a failed nun who <laughs> went to Granddaddy's business, basically, of becoming yeah. a vampire hunter. And I'm like, you know, and 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 you, we look at all that classic literature, and there's there's not a whole lot of great stuff for women in right. there, right? I even even with with this production, because I'm I'm 21 years older, um, I've tried to put a lot more focus on Mina. Mm-hmm. And and as as a character, uh, and and so having Cat and Noah, who and Noah's amazing. This is Noah. <gasps> yes. This is Noah's. This is her first show with Job Site. Um, although she 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 went to school at Blake, so people might remember her from uh, those years with Sean Ryan Paris. But um, Noah and Cat. Now all of a sudden, it just changes up those scenes with uh, Mina and Von Helsing coming together, and M- uh, Mina pressing Von Helsing for information, which in the book he leaves her in the dark on very purposefully, like all the men do, mm-hmm. but it just changes this dynamic of having M- Noah work on Cat mm-hmm. to the will you level with me. Yeah. Right. You know, are from you woman to woman me? is very right. different, rather it, than from young woman to older man. Right. And I love I love the dynamic of that. And I just want to mention it's Noah Friedman yeah, is Noah the yes. name of the, the actor. Uh, listeners, we're talking about Dracula opens up Job Site Theater tonight. Uh, so, so overall, I, I'm just sort of so entranced with the idea that it's going to be like this production production, mm-hmm. you know, um, <laughs> did you guys have to be like, slow down, you know, Katrina, did you ever be like, David, slow your roll. I have to do costumes for all these people. There's, this is too big. This is too much. Or was it like, can we doing this? Let's do a little more. Well, like, which- I mean, <laughs> always. Um, we have gotten so good at planning and planning ahead and having contingencies. And then, of course, a week before the show starts its technical rehearsals, everything just starts you know, yep. falling apart. Right. Um, the, the hurricane did not help. Our set designer... Um, we all lost, lost a week. Yeah. Right. And we probably lost electricity. Some people lost yeah, electricity. Jeremy lost electricity, yeah. so oh couldn't God. make the any composer. music. Right. <laughs> yes. Well, and our set designer <laughs> couldn't build sets. Right. Uh, we couldn't get together rehearse because the building was shut down, because yeah. downtown was shut down. Right. So we were like, okay, look, we can't push the show back because we can't push the show back if, on the back end. Right. I mean, it's in the Jabe, which and, I'm sure is scheduled. Right. And yeah. so it was like, we make do, or like, there's, there's, there's no way through this but lemonade mm-hmm, like right. we gotta do it however I'm 
I know that I've been very cognizant. I, just last night, I asked my stage manager, hey, do you think it would kill you <laughs> if I wanted to do this changeover in the room from Act 1 to Act 2? And she didn't say no. She didn't say she would kill me. But, <laughs> and I know she would do it if I asked her to. And right. I did the same thing to Jeremy just like two nights ago where I was like, hey, I know you've already come in and said all your final levels, but I had this idea last night. <laughs> and um, so, so I feel like if anything, I'm trying to tell myself to slow my roll, right? Because I know the amount of work that everybody's doing, the amount of duress everyone is under, and you know, so I'm I'm trying not to. But I will say a hallmark of job site theater productions is that um, that extra like that <laughs> that you know and not extra in a bad way like when someone says like oh they're so extra but that extra like you're like oh my god and then something else comes along you're like oh freaking a you know that's like this is amazing you know and that's what you do and then and there's been times when the production maybe has not been perfect but there's no always has. right but there's always yeah. stuff to watch and that are mm-hmm. that's new and make you Rethink. I mean, that's why I'm looking forward to this because the first time I saw it, I rethought what I thought I believed. And the idea of keeping rethinking these classics, again, that's something the job site does. You take, I mean, you do break new playwrights, you know, and, and stuff like that, but you take a lot of shows, classic shows or well known shows, and then you kind of deconstruct them and put them back together again, yes. you know. And so that's something that I feel like an audience, you have to. It doesn't work on TV. It doesn't work in movies as well as it works on the stage when you're seeing something that you is rethought and and redeveloped and has moments, tiny moments, because the two two dimensional doesn't capture tiny moments the way a theater does. You know, mm-hmm. so you have that chance to deconstruct things. Were there things about uh, about the idea of Dracula that you know we talked a little bit about the the sexiness, but also the the evil? Was there are there things about the attraction of Dracula to the people within the within the play, the characters, other characters that um, that you wanted to highlight? differently from maybe how you've sort of thought about it in the past, the way that Dracula has influenced? Is there a kindness there, a meanness? No, it's all meanness. Because, okay, so so the, there is, I, the, inter, the, the, the adapter, Stephen Dietz, I, I read an interview with him where uh, he said that, you know, Funnily enough, one of the biggest questions he always gets about the script is, "What does Dracula represent? Like, what is the what is the metaphor for Dracula? Like, and he's like, there is no metaphor. Dracula is just evil. Like, this it's this evil dude. Don't overthink that it. Comes in <laughs> and just wrecks all these people's world until they figure it out and kill him. Right. And there is no metaphor in there. There is no symbolism. There is no anything else to him other than that. And I think that because we can be prone like if you watch the Coppola film it's almost a romance right and I felt it was really important to frame that these people are being manipulated like they are having mind control put on them it is not that all of a sudden I met this like really misunderstood dude now I'm kind of feeling him a little bit <laughs> watch you Buffy know. the Vampire Slayer right, yeah. but, but that I've tried to make it really clear in the moment of when does this person fall under the spell and also Giles is being very specific that now 
right? And so mm-hmm. all of these moments when Lucy falls under, when the maid falls under, when Mina falls under, when any of these places, it is very clear between the music, the way that Giles is performing, and the way that the actor is reacting, that, and even Harker in the castle, like mm-hmm. all of these things, that this is evil operating on someone and taking control of someone in those moments. So, but there are, I mean, maybe Dietz doesn't have a metaphor, but we have very obvious metaphors in our life right now. We have, uh, you know, a former president. We have the president of Russia or the leader of Russia. Like we have people who to us might seem a yeah, certain way. Yeah, Dracula was a really good dude. <laughs> um, so I don't even know if I like that. Was he a good but, dude? Yeah, yeah, like in the book, and and Van Van Helsing even talks about you know th- this kind of evil only grows in a soul most pure, yep. something like that. Mm-hmm. That's the line, uh, right? Hmm, I did not know that. Yeah, I guess I should probably read the book. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I just I look at the whole genre of that Victorian horror. You look at the Frankenstein's and the mm-hmm. Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde's, and even the Dorian Gray's. That. Humans can be monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, they can do evil things. Right. Um, and I think that that's important. To remember. But, you know, not everything has to be, you know, a parallel to the world that we're living exactly. in today. Everybody can, you know, we all feel it. We all live in it. We don't need to be beaten over the head right. with it. We're trying to escape it. That's why yeah. we're in a yeah. theater. <laughs> yeah. Well, another thing, too, is like the, those genres of books, whether it's the horror books or or just a lot of a lot of... Uh, novels that and art that has survived was sort of uh, looked at kind of this loss of, in a way, loss of innocence, that it was the industrial age had started and that there wasn't, you know, each each country and each town, each city wasn't sort of self, self-contained. All of a sudden the world was a lot bigger than it had been. And there was this sort of, not necessarily resistance to that, but just an awareness of that our life is, I mean, however much, the world has changed in the last hundred years. The big change started in the you know eighteen hundreds and right. eighteen twenty and then eighteen fifty and then eighteen seventies blew everything up. If there is a thing, a theme in in the play that's in the novel that I think is relevant, it it, it is honestly just Victorian stuff <laughs> because so much of what's going on in in this book and and, and in a lot of that other literature is that like human sexuality is bad Mm -hmm. that 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 any that these things are evil they're dirty right that sensuality sexuality that these things are things that need to be repressed desire and, will, and right does will, it will evil. And, and and we still deal with that mm-hmm. and and you know america now and america's always been victorian it's like we've never left that era <laughs> we're just weird about bodies right like cuz mm-hmm. you can you can literally fill a screen with blood but there's a boob and like you know whoop can't show that right, right? or people even even people that that come to the theater they are more concerned about sexual content than they are language, violence. Like you can have multiple mm-hmm. murders on stage, but again, like, oh, there was a butt. Can't, yeah. can't do that. <laughs> um, and, and clearly, like, this is something that, that and, and not to get academic on it, but people have really looked at Bram Stoker, who Bram Stoker was as a human, and the world he lived in. Mm-hmm. And that 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 is coming through Stoker's novel. Mm-hmm. That that all of that idea of desire is bad. That, you know, 
and and maybe desire for people who you're not supposed to have desire for. Right. Because those right. remain to be groups as we see around yeah. the world, as we're seeing in Iran and in our own country. Women, you know, are should be controlled and women are the cause of desire, right. not, you know, that we our existence. If someone sees our hair, then, you know, that's bad because they're gonna feel desire right. or ankles. And then also the other is uh, you know, is the queer community is cons- yeah. is evil because what if someone desires someone of their own same and, sex? And you know? honestly, go back and read the Harker chapters and read what Harker is saying in the castle. I, I like, really want to now. Bram, Bram, <laughs> Bram, bro. Right. Like, <laughs> talk to us, right? right. Something's going on yeah. here. Right. And, and, and again, like, I mean, we, we could make arguments all day of whether or not Bram Stoker was injecting that into the book on purpose or if it was subliminal stuff that was just in his head. But, you know, they're... I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to speak with certainty, but 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 there's at least rumors of Stoker's relationship mm-hmm. with Oscar Wilde through that period, right. and whether or not it was public or just common knowledge of the worst kept secret in London mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and and so again, like I'm not going to ascribe motive to Stoker, but when you live in a world like that, and when when the culture is just steeped in those things, it is the water that the fish is swimming in. They don't notice it, and and so one way or another, it's in it's in there. You know, yeah. I'm so interested in that you say this. Like total sidebar, but over the last two years, I've spent a lot of time reading. Um, Women writers mm-hmm. that from you know anywhere from the uh, late 1700s to the early 1900s, just because I don't I don't know them and I've wanted to read them, and and I've read some books that people have written set in those times, and th- there was such a disconnect for the books that are set in those times because they don't sort of in a way respect that part of the culture. Mm-hmm. Like you know, they're those heroes and heroines in those books are fine with gay people. They're fine with all. Like they're just fine with it, as if everyone is. And it's like, yeah, no, that was not. It was a struggle for anybody. There's no one, you know, if somebody was openly anything, right. that was an act of bravery, you know. And right, and go back to Oscar Wilde. Right, exactly. That's what made you him. made me think of right. that, you know, because um, I mean, he suffered because he was right. he, he whatever he lived his truth, you know. However you say that, and he was punished for it, right. like severely punished for it. So, um, well, we only have a couple minutes left and I have so many more things to ask you. Um, so, sorry. First, I should ask you, is there anything that you want to make sure people know about the show? I mean, because I know that there's, it's, it's job site, so I know there's going to be funny parts and mm-hmm. there's going to be thrilling parts. Yeah. We want to take everybody for the full ride, man. The full money. This is uh, like we've just really tried to throw everything in the kitchen sink at this show, and and all this is uh, again we're we're aiming for spectacle, we're aiming aiming for entertainment, you know, and we're we're aiming for for maybe a bar on on the production side of things that we've not yet really done. Right. Um, and I got to give a shout out to Jeremy Douglas's score <sighs> because we've got this project. Process that's great. You know, we'll record audio, record the first read through, and he kind of uses that as a guide, knowing that these are not performances mm-hmm. yet, but it at least allows him to start being able to play with things underneath it and uh, recording the blocking videos. You know, when we're blocking the show and sending those on, and running and sending him these videos, so he 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 literally is like scoring like a like a film 
person mm-hmm. would. However, we're doing this dynamic score that that uh, it's too long of a story to go into. <laughs> it's, it's, it literally, we, we believe Jeremy invented this, and mm-hmm. yet even had a story written on him in American theater on it. Um, but but across the board, this level of detail and investment from mm-hmm. everybody who's working on this show, it's just um, that's what I you know there might be ten people in the show, but there's probably two dozen people's hands that have mm-hmm. had direct you know hard work and that's you know and then by doing it you know that's a um i mean that's a a a maturity step for job site you know because job site has i mean again i feel that we are very lucky in the tampa bay area because financial maturity right well it's a financial maturity but we have a lot of really good theaters here like this is a good theater area and other places don't have that job site's role um, has you know has sort of a characteristic and stuff, but what you have done that not everyone else has done is that you've you've always sort of kept moving forward and challenged and changed and stuff like that. The job site that's here today is not the same job site they made no. this 21 years ago, and and you put challenges and this challenge, which I firmly believe that you will conquer and and thrive on, it just then sort of gives you the chance to say, wow, well we did this, you know what we can do maybe something else too, you know? And so kudos for that because I'm sure it must be really scary when you look at the bank accounts and payrolls and stuff. And and, and the last two years were not kind to anyone and we're not built for, you know, two years of not making money and, yeah. and while continuing to spend money. As part of WMNF, um, I hear you. <laughs> right. And, and so, you know, again, this was another reason why we booked the season the way we did because we're like, we want to make it to our 25th anniversary right. and we're not gonna. Right. You know, we don't have anyone to bail us out. We don't have mm-hmm. uh, a lot of things that, that other companies have. We don't have a, you know, like a, a, a private foundation mm-hmm. that's sitting, we don't have like these enormous boards that could all just pick out their pocket change right. and bail us out until the I next know. Show, I went to a right? fundraiser like, last night and these people made $100,000 in a night. I mean, they had one check yeah, was already written. I mean, trust me, I, I'll take your $100,000 right. if you want to give it to me. Right, and it was, <laughs> I mean, it was sort of like, whoa, holy cow, you know, that's amazing. And, but you don't, because you have, you have the artists and the, you know, the workers on your, on your board, not the... No, actually, we, that, that has changed over the right. years, but, but our board is still very small, right. you know, yeah. comparatively, and our board does great work, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, you folks. But can, can they write a hundred thousand dollar check? So much, right? <laughs> right. You know, yeah. and 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 so one of the, the, the we've always said the one thing we can control, and the one thing we can only control is the box office. And so to have that taken away in the last two mm-hmm. years, because we can't control the box office right. anymore, uh, because anything could happen at any moment. And as we saw just with Picasso with La Panagile, right. you know, we lost two weeks because of COVID. And then we lost a week because of a hurricane. And right. none of those things were in our control. Right. You can't do anything about it. Well, that gives us a great thing into the last question. So what does, uh, usually this is the last show of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what does your next season look like that you want to let people know? Well, it's the last show of the year. Um, and we have our big job site rocks party at New World Brewery on December 3rd. And then we will be back in January with Hamlet. <gasps> then we've got Misery by Stephen King coming up right after that, which I will be in. Starring David Jenkins wow. and his wife, Summer Bonenkamp. Wow. That's going to be lots of fun. Right. Husband and wife, um, Misery team. Then we move into a brand new devised work based on the work of Lewis Carroll, so Through the Looking Glass oh. and Alice's Adventures in Wonderland with using, sort of basing everything in the artwork of Spencer Myers. We're going to have Ariel. It's going to be like oh Shock, my Hit, God. Shock, Hit Peter, yeah. Shock Hit of Peter 2.0, right? Right. With, Adapting uh, 
children's literature into a big wacky wild cabaret spectacle. Right. Um, and then we're bringing back Lizzie the Musical. Speaking of our greatest right, hits. Yeah. And then we finish the season with Andresia Mosley's performance at, uh, in Anna Devere Smith's Twilight oh, Los Angeles God, 1992. Wow. Because we did that at the height of the pandemic and frankly nobody, nobody saw it. Right, yeah. And it won awards and stuff and it's so like Andresia did so much work on that show right. that, that we, we were, were hoping Good. to share. Good, I'm really glad. Theater. And I will say it was so interesting. Uh, Tuesday night, a friend and I were talking about Lizzie. Mm. And we were just sort of talking about like, oh my God, you know, and it was, uh, so I'm thrilled that you're bringing that back Yay. because it just, I mean, we were just talking about, um, about watch going to it and seeing it and, you know, the, um, oh, I forget what he was saying. He had some comment about the, uh, how people went in and out, like the, mm-hmm. What's the theater word for that? Like the intros and the exits yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. It was just, he was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So it made an impression on him from four years ago, five yeah. years ago, six, six years ago. Yeah. So, well, cool. Well, uh, once again, you can go online to jobsitetheater.org. And right there on the front page, you can get all this information about Dracula. You can get tickets. You can get season tickets, which every single yes, theater in the entire world mm-hmm. loves if you do. And also, if you like going to plays, it's a really great way to save money. Right. It's a really um, great season. <laughs> it's a really great season. If you want more information, uh, you can also uh, call for tickets, 813-229-STAR, and then get that in the Jabe. Wow, in the Jabe. That's, nice. pretty, that's pretty great. So thank you both so much thank for coming you. in. Thank you for having us. We're going to go out with some of uh, the Jeremy Douglas score uh, and this is uh, Dracotag. Dracotag. <laughs> Get ready for an MCU version of uh, Dracula. <laughs> so, and then, uh, so stay tuned. I've got some announcements for you all and a little bit of music. And then uh, thank you so much for coming in. I look forward to seeing the show and seeing whatever you've got up next. Remember, the uh, job site rocks is on the 3rd of December at New World Brewery. And so do people... Uh, do people have to get tickets or anything for that ahead of time, or is that just a walk-in? Both, and they can go on our website to find all the deets. All those deets. Okay, and we'll post them up on our Facebook page for you guys to see. Thanks, everybody. Stay tuned.
Woo! <laughs> Florida native Tom Petty would be turning 72 this year, so WMNF will be celebrating his birthday with a full night of his music. In honor of our home state hero, WMNF presents Just Do Me Like That, the Tom Petty birthday tribute show at Skipper's Smokehouse. You'll hear over 40 songs from 26 albums in five hours, a nonstop music event that you don't want to miss as 14 bands play three Tom Petty songs, each in their own style. For songs from Petty's entire career, including the Heartbreakers, Mud Crutch, Solo, and the Traveling Wilburys. Skipper Smokehouse, Saturday, October 22nd. Doors at 5, music 6 sharp. Tickets are $20 at 813-238-8001 or WMNF.org. Tom Petty tribute show tomorrow night, Saturday night, up at Skipper's Smokehouse. I'm definitely going to be going to that. And there are tickets still available if you want to get the, uh, uh, not the door price. (laughs) 
what's my brain is I'm I am totally blaming the cold medicine. My brain is fried. Uh, so it should be really, really fun. And thank you again to WMNF, uh, the music office, and to Flea for putting this show together. Also, another great show that's coming at the end of the month, a Halloween special. We all need a Halloween special. It'll be so much fun to go out uh, <laughs> and have fun with uh, Halloween again. We miss that. And uh, I want to mention also, <clears throat> excuse me, that Matt Burke of Have Gun Will Travel is going to be live in the studio with Marcy tomorrow morning for Words on Words and Music to kick off the celebration. So uh, Marcy's show is on between 10 and noon. Saturday mornings here on WMNF 88.5. You are listening to WMNF 88.5 FM, WMNF Tampa, WMNF just the best station on on the, your radio dial. Very different. We're a, we're a local station. We're live. We're independent. We're commercial free. Uh, we have people from the community come in to play wonderful music and do news stories and talk about things uh, because we are the community. And thank you for being part of it. Coming up next is the wonderful E-Love with her global electronica music show. It's such a beautiful way to sort of slide in to the afternoon. After that is a live music showcase. Soul Purpose is the band that's going to be on this week. After live music showcase, Reverend Billy and Marvelous Marvin bring you the Rhythm Revival, and that is a show that dives into the roots of rock and roll gospel. There's a country, there's funny music. You, That is one of those shows you absolutely have no idea what's coming up. On Friday evenings we slide then into the classic R&B and Soul of the Soul Party Up, that gets updated a little bit with some real fun rhythm types of music on the Soul Kitchen Just I love that show and then we end up our Friday nights as always with Chuck Core Jr. and his Florida R&B and Florida Soul and late night late night talking so thank you for being part of it I'll be back with you next week thank you for everybody hope to see you at Tom Petty um, tribute tomorrow night and uh, in the background, we've got uh, Joe Strummer's filibustro playing from the soundtrack of Walker. And we're going to try to fit in the beginning of uh, Vivian Long's Seahorse. Stay tuned for the NPR News. And as I said, E-Love coming up next. Thank you for being with us. If you want to get in touch with me, please email me, Ellen J-O-E-L-L-E-N, at WMNF.org. And let me know. Uh, if you've got something coming up, if you have a question, if there's an art thing, anything like that. Thanks again. Bye now. Community Radio, WMNF, Tampa.